Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor, and I'm so excited about this week's guest. She's a Lebanese film director, stylist, creative director, and just an all-around icon. Welcome, Pam Nasser. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Noor. I'm so happy to have you on. We were just chatting before the show, and you guys know me. I'm an asshole. I don't like anyone that much, but I'm like, Pam, you're my woman crush. Like, you're so cool. You're so sweet. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. But yeah, I I always kind of try to do a little bit of like a deep dive before I have any guest on. Like I will read everything that's on the internet about you. And there was a lot about you. Like you've you've been in a lot of press. So there was a lot of information for me to consume. But I was really surprised to find out that you were actually born and raised in um, the Emirates. Yes. Yes. And a lot of yeah, a lot of people, especially here in America, they go like, so you're Emirati then? Well, they yeah. say, they don't say Emirati because <laughs> no, but they say, so, so you're from Dubai. And I'm like, yeah. no, no, no. I'm Lebanese, but I'm born and raised in Dubai. It's very different than um, anywhere else in the world where you are born in a country and then you get the nationality, the passport, you mm-hmm. become part of the culture. It's, it's quite... Um, it's quite different in the Emirates. Uh, we are seen as expats, not as immigrants, you know. So we didn't get the nationality. Um, we didn't, like, inherit the Emirati culture, per se, because it's a very cosmopolitan city and everything is quite um, divided. Uh, so, yes, I'm Lebanese, but born and raised in Dubai, uh, which, you know, has been my home for a very long time. And I left a very long time ago. It's been a decade since I left home, which is crazy to think about. It's really crazy to think of it. That is really crazy. And and yeah, I think that um, I actually, I lived in the Emirates for four years. So I definitely really? can relate. Yeah, I can relate to the, you know, no matter, I, I knew people who were born there, raised there, and they were just considered expats, like they were not considered nationals. And there is this very big divide between like, okay, you're a local and like everyone else, basically. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. And I just was... I'm interested to know, because I'll be honest with you, I'm just going to say I didn't love living there, particularly, I lived there for four years of of high school. And so I wasn't like born there, raised there. And for me, I just felt like there was a lot of um, racism that I, I, I saw happening before me, I never experienced it. But it was something that I was witnessing a lot happening. There's like a very apparent, like, kind of like, caste not even a caste system what's a word i'm looking for where there's like oh like you're considered there is classism there's there's a classism yeah 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 there there really is um i mean for me growing up in dubai at the time dubai was very different to what people know of dubai today yeah um it was very much a bubble um and now dubai is like one of like the center cities of the world you know it's in you know your transit to the other side wherever you're trying to get to it's literally in the center and they've made it that way and they've built it to be this like hub for so many things colliding into into one tiny ass city that yeah was built in the last 20 years um yeah so for me my experiences growing up in dubai um it was a very, very, very safe environment. And I say this all the time. It was, I, f- I, f- I feel like I was super sheltered um, mm-hmm. in every single way. And I 
was just very, very uh, curious about outside of Dubai, outside of this bubble. Yeah. And I definitely did um, feel the classism and the racism that, you know, that that happened there. Um, you know, you have the workers that build the city. Um, like, I just remember, like, being a kid and seeing so many workers packed into a bus going to the work, like to the mm -hmm. construction site or going to wherever they're living, which are in like tiny homes on top of one another. I definitely saw that as a kid and I didn't understand it. Um, yeah, that was, that was, Dubai has so many different things. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I definitely think that there's been, just such a drastic change from when I lived there. I lived there from like maybe 2002 to 2006. So it was quite a while ago. And now it's like this very cool place where everyone's like, I want to go to Dubai. I'm like, yeah, when I lived there, it was not cool. Like the coolest thing was like the mall. Like that was exactly, <laughs> you know, but I mean, looking back at it, I love the fact that the coolest thing was the mall. Honestly, right? like it's a desert at the end of the day. And it's such a hot, country city um and you really couldn't do too much like you couldn't even go to the beach in the summer because mm -hmm. you couldn't breathe from the how high the humidity was and I you know looking back at it I was like I love I love the fact that the mall was like our happy place and our to-go place because there was a simplicity in that that today I mean, bless the growth that, you know, they were able to achieve um, over such a short period of time. But I prefer simpler days, personally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, like, as you're saying it, I I really do, I, I without realizing, I think I actually agree with you. And it was this very simple thing. It was like, it's too hot to do anything for the most part. So, like, you go to the mall, there's air conditioning. Um, I used to smoke cigarettes when I was a teenager because that's what you do when you live in Dubai. At least that's what I did. And so I would walk around the mall because when I lived there, you could smoke in the mall. Yeah, I know you can't do that anywhere. So I would walk around oh the mall smoking cigarettes like a little asshole teenager. And it was just like, you know, go to Starbucks, spend 14 didhams on like a venti <laughs> coffee or whatever, however much they have jacked up the prices. And uh, like, that was like my outing. That was like the fun thing to do. And then maybe I would go to like Bershka and like buy a top. Bershka. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's crazy that that was your experience though. I never smoked when I, I was such a good kid. I never ever smoked. In fact, my father is a smoker. He still was, still is. And every time he smoked in the house, I'd make sure to leave the room because I hated the smell so much. And then when I graduated from high school and all of my best friends moved to AUB, uh, the American University in Beirut, they picked up smoking there. And every time I'd visit, I was like doing a transitional year. And every time I'd visit, um, I'd start, that's how I picked up smoking. But in Dubai, as a kid, I never did smoke. Well, you um, don't need an ID. You can just go in and buy them. They don't care. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's different now, you know, now you need an ID everywhere. Okay. Cigarettes, alcohol, 21, like, in, yeah. In, in Dubai, you can't uh, drink under the age of 21. Wow, you're taking me back. It's getting me a little <laughs> emotional. I really, I really miss those days. I, my best friend and I always, and her mother always talk about like, oh, the simple like Dubai days when we didn't do much, but felt so happy and so satisfied. Wow. 
Yeah, and and I and I also think that like living there, like it is, I think for a lot of people, a lot of expats, it's a very kind of privileged experience. Like I know that you know I never cared about like oh when am I going to get my driver's license because there's a driver for that and like there's housekeepers or it's it's the norm to like have all of these people helping you like I had a a a live-in we had a live-in maid and she would iron like every article of clothing like I was like shocked when I moved back to America and I was like I have to fucking iron like no one's gonna iron this for me yeah honestly it is a very 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 privileged um uh system that that we are a part of um same grew up yeah. with a living um domestic worker yeah a driver all of that but it's so funny that I couldn't wait to to be away from that I couldn't I couldn't wait to go overseas to college and make my own food clean my own house do my own bed like all of these things I just could I felt like such an adult when I did those things um and uh and then yeah every time I went back home it's like I started you know making my food and 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 it was just yeah you you know you grow and and your ways kind of change or at least you hope they change yeah um but yeah I mean it was a very peculiar way of life uh there and you know overall I think this is something that I'm very, like, I always make sure to say, like, Dubai was a place for so many uh, Arabs that were fleeing from their own countries because of war or yeah. uh, poverty or all of that. So Dubai really gave so many Arabs and other um, and other uh, countries, people from other countries, the chance to really restart their lives you know, grow as the city was growing, as the city was being built. And that is, I mean, that's a privilege in itself. And it's, Absolutely. Just, it's, um, it's a chance that a lot of people don't get in this world. Um, and, you know, it warms my heart to know that Dubai was that space for my family. Yeah, no, that's really beautiful. And, and it's definitely, a, again, a perspective that I've never really thought of because like I mean I I lived there I was an angsty little teenager I was just like very much so like I don't want to like I was that kid who was like I just want to move back to America I don't want to live here and like we had moved from Malaysia before that and I loved living in Malaysia like I absolutely loved it and so for me it was like a weird culture shock because um growing up I was I was born in America I'm Arab I never really felt connected to Arab culture and so living there I was just very uh, anti everything. Like I was not being receptive. I think the most receptive I was to the culture was like, I liked Khaliji music. I thought mm. they had a lot of bops. I was yeah. really into the music, but other <laughs> yeah. than that, I was very much so like, ne- I was just very negative about it. So that's why I'm always interested when I hear someone else was born uh, or raised in Dubai. I'm like, I want to hear about your experience because I feel like my experience was just kind of me and like my parents and like, you know, obviously they're like in their, they're much older than me. So like their experience is not going to be the same as mine. So I think it's really interesting to hear your perspective on living there. And I, yeah, I've never really thought of it as like, it is a place for people to uh, kind of have opportunity. Yeah. That's how I see it. You know, and that's how I see it because when my grandfather moved there in the sixties, there was just, you know, there was just one building and he had like 20, 30 bucks in his pocket 
And he left my grandma to kind of like scavenge for where is there space for me to create an opportunity for, for my wife, my future kids and their kids and so on. So he mm-hmm. kind of like foresaw um, the line that came down after him and wanted to create that, that space um, for, for me and, and for my kids, to be honest. Like I know he thought of all of that and he was able to do that in Dubai and I'm able to live the way I live thanks to him and the risk that he took and, and the opportunity that Dubai gave him. So for me, I'm like, like I I count that as a huge blessing for my family. Absolutely. No, I think that's, that's so special. And, and like, I, I'm like, like literally as you're saying, my grandfather did this. I'm like, that's like such a, I feel like Arab thing to do. Like I'm going to invest in my children's future, their children's future. Like they, they think about things in such a long-term way that I think for me, it's missing like, today. I, yeah, it's missing. It, it's, it's even something that I have to be conscious of that I have to c- remind myself to think about things long term rather than rather than just just this immediate short term satisfaction that I think we've all grown so accustomed to with just, you know, everything being so quick and so fast and so instant. I, I really wish he was still around to kind of dial back and try to tap into his um way of thinking because I feel like I don't feel I mean we are so consumed with the way our world works today um it definitely has its positive sides you know the awareness the accumulation of information that is our at our fingertips uh for us to like better ourselves but at the same time it's so easy to be sucked into this dark hole of of the web and and how you um interact with it is worse than its existence but these two things can be uh separated and so Mm -hmm. we have this like yeah we're really thinking of the now and of the numbers and of the traction and of the now 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 and of like the quick but as you said we're not thinking at least that's how i feel um we're not really thinking of like two generations down with every single thing that we do. It's like we do when we're going out to protest and we're tra- when we're trying to help one another. Um, you know, we're trying to keep each other alive and healthy, but I don't feel like we're thinking of it with every single uh, move that we're making within our work. Um, uh, it's just, I mean, obviously I can't speak for a whole generation, but I, I definitely feel like there's a whole, like there's a very big difference between our grandparents' generation and our generation today, and then Gen Z. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, it, it feels a little, I mean, to, to me, the thought of that is just exhausting. Um, and trying to uh, figure out how to be my best in, in today's world is exhausting because we're living in a constant state of like mourning we can go into this yeah. whole, yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah, no, I mean, I, I can definitely, like, everything you're saying, I'm like, I can relate to everything, because I think that it's, the internet, and, 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 and all of that, they're not, it's not mutually exclusive, and then, when you think about things that are going on in the world, like, things that are going on in Lebanon, like, I, I, 
I feel as though if it weren't for social media in a time like that, would we really have an idea of what was actually happening there? Would no. the news even cover it? And so it's mm. times like that, that I'm like, the internet, social media is so vital for us to be informed. And if it weren't for social media, like I know that I probably would have no idea other than if my dad or my mom said something to me and I'm Arab, so it's relevant to them. So they're gonna care about it. They're gonna know about it. But if it weren't for my parents telling me, I would have no source, no way of knowing. Absolutely. It's it's the same. It's, a, it's the same in so many underdeveloped countries in the world, you know, what's going on in Nigeria. Um, It's, if it weren't for social media, I don't think anything that happened throughout the pandemic would, would gain that much traction um, at such a large scale because we had all this time to just be with our phones, um, you know, to not be physically around people, even though we're around people online, we were, um, we, we were able to pay attention to things and, and kind of like uh, maximize uh, the information that was like circulating. So, I mean, yeah, social media is great in that sense. Um, but if, yeah, it's scary to think that if we didn't have it, we really wouldn't know about all the massacres that are happening about mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's really, it's really, really crazy. And, and I, I am a fan of the internet. I say this all the time. I'm an internet girl. I, I try to use it for positive things as much as possible. Obviously there's going to be negativity in any space, but like, I just think that there's so much good and so much information and resources. Like even for example, when I said I did a deep dive on you, I found out so much cool information about you. And I was like, this is awesome. Like we have this, this tool that we can use in any way, whether it's learning more about like something that's what's going on in Nigeria. I've been researching it because I'll be honest, I found out about it through Instagram and I'm like, let me, let me, learn as much as I can about what's going on so I can be informed and so that I can, you know, inform other people. And, and there's just so much to learn and so much uh, that we can use as tools in, in long term things. And, and that's where it comes back to, you know, it's very easy to think about things short term. But I think that, you know, investing in ourselves, I always say this, I really think that investing in yourself is the best way you can use your time in whatever way that is, whether it's through creating things digitally or whatever it is, like putting time into something that you've created, I think is so important and so special. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And so I, I do want to talk about, I, I know we ended up talking about Dubai for a while, but you moved to, I believe London after that to go um, study. Yes, I did my Bachelor of Arts in Fashion Styling and Photography. Um, I also did like a general fashion foundation. Um, So I got my hands in, you know, every little corner of fashion. Um, And then I settled for styling. Um, I remember having this conversation with my dad after I finished my foundation here. I was like, Dad, um, I have to pick between fashion design, which is what I thought I was going to be doing. Mm-hmm. and there's something called fashion styling <laughs> and I was like and I'm really confused and that was like a new term back then it was in 2010 um it was in, I was like I can't believe there's a degree in styling like that I didn't you know and he was like you know dad you're you're such an outgoing person and you 
are um, you really work well in teams and mm-hmm. I can't see you sitting on a desk sketching for hours. I'm like, you know what? Absolutely. You are right. I'm going to do styling. And it was a very like instinctual phone call with my dad outside of the classroom before I checked the box. And um, that's what I did during my time there. And, uh, <laughs> and London was great. I got so sick of it at the end, though. I needed to get out of there. But it that's was why great. I was like, you you left basically <laughs> right after. So I was like, so I guess you 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 seem like you liked it, but not enough to like want to actually stay there. Well, to be honest, as an Arab, I didn't have the chance to stay there, uh, uh, visa wise. Th- that's something. The visa, pro- okay, Arabs, listen to me. I mean, <laughs> if you know, if you're not an uh, Amer, you know, if you're not an Arab American or a British American or a country that you were born in where it grants you to live quite freely across, you know, the world. I mean, you are bound by your passport and I have moved around in my life so much based on paperwork, basically. Mm -hmm. So I was able to live in London because I got paperwork as a student, but I had to leave because I couldn't get paperwork outside of being a student. Um, There was no, Thing, um, such as like the O1 artist visa in the US, which I'm currently on. I didn't have that option. And so knowing that um, being there outside of being a student was tough, it really, um, I think, f- almost forced me to see an ex- the expiration date as like something that cannot be renewed. And so my soul was like expiring as my time was expiring in London, if that makes any sense. So um, in my last year, I'm like, oh, I'm writing a dissertation. I hate writing. That's it. Like, this is the exit for me. And I left. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I'm getting, I'm getting the fuck out of here. But no, I can't even imagine how like anxiety inducing that is. It's like this ticking clock, like you have to leave by this time. And it's like, I I don't I can't even imagine what that feels like but you you actually you moved to um Beirut or Lebanon yes yes I moved to Beirut right after London also very unplanned I I I do want to say I've noticed that like I think the one of the main reasons I was a little surprised that you were born and raised in Dubai is because you are like anything I've ever seen about you or known about you. It's like, Oh yeah. Pam is, is Lebanese. She's Lebanese. Like you're very much. So like, uh, your identity has a lot to do with your, with your Lebanese roots. And I, I think it's so interesting that like you hadn't even lived there until your adult years. And you, you clearly have so much love for this country. Where, where do you think that came from? Well, I think I was very lucky to be based in a in a country that is so close to Lebanon. Like mm-hmm. I think a lot of people that had to immigrate to America or Australia or Brazil, which is where the majority of us are, um, they were so far away. And you know, coming back to Lebanon twice or three times a year wasn't really an option. Yeah. But for for me and my family, um, we visited Lebanon Christmas and summer. Like it. You know, it was kind of like every Friday in Dubai, we went to church. Every Christmas and summer we were in Lebanon, no questions asked. It was a no-brainer. Um, and then when I was uh, around nine, my parents split up and my mom was based in Lebanon. So my younger sister and I would uh, fly back and forth 
like four times a year between Beirut and Dubai. Oh, wow. So, I mean, Beirut was my second home, um, except I didn't study there. You know, I was a part-time baby my entire life. I was, you know, in between two countries my entire life. So, um, but obviously, not obviously, for me, because I grew up in Polish Dubai and would visit war-torn Beirut. Yeah. As a kid, I I was more um, connected to Polish Dubai because, mm-hmm. you know, it reminded me of like cartoons and like positive, happy things. Whereas Lebanon, I couldn't understand why there were bullets in the in the um, damn buildings and why yeah. the infrastructure was so I couldn't sit in the car without like getting a neck ache. Um, so I, I rejected a lot of like um, what Lebanon represented as a kid. And I didn't understand how bad that was for me until I moved to Beirut um, after London. And so, so you moved there kind of because you, you had to leave London. So it was kind of like a, Oh shit, where am I going to go? So you, so you moved there and how long did you end up living in Beirut for? I lived there for um, about two and a half years, um, two and a half to three years, I would say. Um, I moved there. I was like, listen, I'm not going to be in London anymore. And my next step is, you know what? I need to rediscover my country and my relationship to it. I owe it to myself and I owe it to my mom. And you know what? I haven't lived with my mom, you know, since I was <laughs> nine years old. So I, I was just like, let me do all of this stuff. I feel like I had to. It was a very instinctual process. I think, I mean, that's how I've moved my entire life. It's like an instinct or a feeling that like surfaces to the, you know, to my, the, the tip of my heart. And I'm like, that's it. Like, that's what I'm doing. Um, I, I, I make decisions very quickly like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely feel like uh, a journey um, would have had to kind of like come together over time in order for me to make this like on the spot instinctual decision. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So when it does surface, I listen to it and I go with it. Um, and that's what I did for Lebanon. And it was I always say this, but it was the best decision that I made for myself as an Arab woman, as a Lebanese woman. Um, we're very patriotic, so you will always know we're Lebanese. And and as an artist, I was able to um, discover myself deeply, way more deeply as an artist by connecting to my roots and to my culture and to my people. It was so beautiful. I mean, honestly, like, I like as you're telling me this, like, I can feel it in your voice that, like, it was this kind of uh, life-altering decision for you in the sense of, like, going there really helped you connect with your culture. And, and I know that that's something that I myself didn't realize until I was in my late 20s. Like, I just didn't see the importance of my culture and kind of I like, I, I, I liked being Arab. Like, you know, I like Arab food. I like being Palestinian, you know, I all, I like Debka, but like, I just didn't <laughs> feel, I didn't feel like this deep connection to it until I actually took time to like, 
really invest in like learning about it. Like I couldn't move to Palestine. That wasn't really an option for me because um, my family's from Gaza. So going to Gaza is kind of like, you don't really want to go to Gaza. Like even people in Gaza, yeah. they're like, we don't, we, we don't want to really be here. But um, it, it was just one of those things that like, once you, once you start to learn about it, you see so much of yourself in it that it's like kind of insane. Like how, how did I not see this before? Like this is, so deeply rooted in who I am, whether or not I was like aware of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's magical uh, and and heartbreaking. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, that, and that's and that's the thing. It, it is magical, and it's also simultaneously so heartbreaking, which is exactly what Fedus is for, just to really narrate all of those feelings for us of just like yeah. sadness and, 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 and loving your country and your country just, you know, going through so much heartache. And it's, it's very, it's very interesting to me that as someone who was not born there to be able to feel that pain and that connection, I think really goes to show that like humans are so capable of feeling such strong empathy, even though like, you know, you would just think like, Oh, you weren't born there. You weren't raised there. Like what, how can you have such a strong connection? And it's like, no, you, you can absolutely have a strong connection to your, your home country or where your parents are from just through like, you know, that upbringing or, or, or seeing Their parts stories. of yourself. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we go through what our parents go through, even if we didn't, in reality go through them we go through them through their stories mm -hmm. uh the food uh um i mean their pain is passed down like gener generational trauma is mm -hmm. a thing and yeah you know when you uh, i mean why do kids love a bedtime story because when the parent or whoever is reciting the story the kid is literally picturing the scene and the, we're, we're drawing our own picture of of these words and we believe that picture we are transported to this like fabricated picture in our minds um and and we become attached to it and we want it every single night mm -hmm. and so when we when we hear these stories we we, we feel a, an intimate connect a connection to them um that is you know, indescribable, but it exists. And, and sometimes that's all we have to hold on to. It's just stories or, or loose images on, you know, the internet or that our parents uh, saved or yeah. Memory is a, um, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderfully heartbreaking thing. Um, and sometimes it's all we have, you know? Absolutely. And yeah, like, I mean, I went to my mom's house like two weeks ago and I asked her to tell me a story. Like, I, like even as an adult, like I just love when my mom tells me stories of like growing up in Palestine. And even though mm. like she'll throw in some things that I'm like, Oh my God, that's like, she probably was extremely traumatic for you. But like, she just says it super nonchalantly. Like, yeah, I heard a missile over my house. LOL. Back to my story. I'm like, mom, what the fuck? Like, Oh my God. Like, are you okay? But it, it's, there's something so kind of, like you were saying, like it, telling someone a story, especially when they're really young, like they, you can really visualize it. And so you do kind of develop this kind of attachment to this memory of this, this image that you just created in your mind based off a story. And there really is so much nostalgia and like just 
positive feelings I have at least towards these stories that I was told Mm -hmm. as a child that I didn't even realize the impact that they had on me again until I was like later late in my 20s yeah yeah and you're basically I mean you're you're a film director and 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 you're like a visual storyteller where do you find the inspiration I mean I'm sure you find inspiration through so many different ways but like what when you're when you're kind of going through your creative process is there anything particularly that you do feel inspired by um my family I think my uh studying the relationship with my family and how like each different family member um what they represent and their character and my relationship to them um it is uh it sparked up so many different like questions ideas uh for me and um I see it in literally every single thing that I do like even if it's not obvious it was definitely part of my um like creative like construction mm-hmm. um yeah I think I will forever be learning about my family and anything that you learn about you immediately implement throughout your work um I think from I mean for me at least and that's why I love uh, filmmaking is because I study something new and I find a way to translate that um in the form of a film um and and I love this idea of like your art being something that you're also learning from simultaneously mm-hmm. um so yeah, I think I will forever be learning from my family and about my family. I think that's that's really special and I, I that is something that I think resonates with me. I'm very close with my family. I mean, if I could only see my family and see no one else, I feel like I would be fine. You know, I love other people, but like to me like my family is is so important to me and and I think it's so beautiful that they they are part of your inspiration. Like I think that's so special. Um have you all, like, I know you've, it seems like you've always been interested in fashion, but when did you kind of realize that you were interested in film as well? Um, well, speaking of family, it was a conversation <laughs> that I had with my mom. That was like the beginning. It was a conversation that was kind of like a difficult conversation to have because I was still doing my fashion degree and I was in Beirut over one summer and I was showing my mom a project that I, that I shot. And she was like, mama, um, I think you would be an amazing film director. I'm like, mom, like I'm showing you my fashion work right now. What are you talking about? (laughs) I was like, aren't you paying attention? Like you never pay attention. Like you don't know what I'm doing. You don't get it. Like film director, like, what are you talking about? I'm studying fat. Like I was just like going off. Right. And she was like, Mama, no, since you were a kid, like you, you, it's, it's in you, it's in you. I didn't understand it. I kind of just like stormed off. That's what I remember from that conversation. Maybe she'll tell it differently one day to me. I need to ask her. How old that's how I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that happened a few years later when I was in Beirut. I was just picking up my dumb iPhone and I was just... <laughs> obsessively uh like creepily recording all these people (laughs) because I was just so I was 
I, I was studying them. It was like a character study every single time I left my house. And in fact, when I was home, I was like studying my mother. Um, and so many things that I've included in, in my first film, Clams Casino, where like my mom is in them in so many different parts of it that she watches and she just laughs. <laughs> and she's like, how did you pick up on this? I'm like, well, I have like seven videos of you doing that exact same thing uh, that you didn't know about. Um, so it happened very, like in a very childlike way. Uh, it, it was just like very experimental. And I realized that I had a knack for storytelling and I knew how to put two and two together. And I had like a very clear idea of how I wanted to put two and two together with my fashion background. And um, I just went for it. <laughs> that's, that's honestly, I, I love that. I love that it just kind of happened like without, like you just kind of fell into it kind of organically. And I also love the fact that both of your parents are very nurturing of you being a creative, which I feel like a lot of Arabs struggle with. Like, yeah. how how did you get such cool parents? Like, I know that you can't really answer that question, but like, holy shit, like they're both just like, yeah, go be a fashion stylist, go be a film director. Like, that's incredible. That's amazing. I love your parents. I love them too. I, I tell them all the time. I'm like, guys, you know how grateful I am for for your trust and your like constant encouragement. And they both tell me in their own ways, they go, like my dad, Baba, it was easy because <laughs> easy. To, you know, you didn't give me hell. Like I trust you because you know. So it's like he trusts me because I gave him that trust, and I yeah. trust him because he gave me that trust. It's like yeah. this wonderful uh, like exchange, and I think that was like really hard to do for both my parents because we didn't grow up to you know I didn't grow up with both of them in the same house. Yeah. So it was like. I feel like it was definitely really challenging for the both of them to instill this like this supportive um nurturing uh, uh you know relationship um so I yeah I I look up to them in in that respect and uh I feel very lucky that's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's so like, literally, I'm like, Oh, my God, I'm gonna cry. But no, like, I think that like, you, you said something that I think is really important, especially if you're younger, and you're listening to this, and you're an Arab creative, and you're struggling. Like, I think it's, it's very well said that they trusted you, 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 you did, you took the steps to kind of build that trust with them. And so they then, in turn, trusted you and, and your vision and the direction that you wanted to take. And, and I think having that mutual trust is really crucial to kind of building this nurturing, supportive environment? I mean, I honestly, I think if you're lucky to become a parent, okay, because it is a blessing to be a parent, you know, um, whatever your child decides to do with their life, don't question it. I mean, unless they're hurting someone. <laughs> <laughs> unless I'm like they're hurting someone. Unless unless they're like, hey mom, I, I want to sell crack, then then, yes. then no. <laughs> unless they're doing something that is actually illegal or yeah. you know or hurtful, you know, that's a different conversation. But if it's a creative decision, if it's mm -hmm. a decision about um their identity or how they choose to like exist in this world um or what they decide to fucking wear yep. or 
support them because if you don't, you're losing anyway. Like they're going to rebel against you or you're going to lose that relationship with them or it's going to create a lot of pain in your family or, or, or it's like, don't control anyone's life. Even if they're your child, you can advise them to be the best version of themselves, whatever that is. And you just go on the journey with them. And if you don't see eye to eye, well, they are not you. They came from you, but they are not you. Mm-hmm. You are independent. They are independent. Allow them to choose their own lives because, you know, I mean, that's the way the world, I, I mean, I think that's the way the world should work. I'm like I agree. super extremist in, in that, in that <laughs> sense. And I don't care. I'm just like, if they're gay, accept it. If you can't mm-hmm. accept it, fake it until you accept it. Like, yep. yalla, like move on. Um, there's no need to cause pain to your child. It's, it's so <sighs> interesting that you're, you're saying this because I, m- my sister and I, we're, we're allies. We will fucking tell anyone who asks, like, we really, I mean, I, I, I don't understand how someone cannot be an ally at, at this point. I think that, you know, it's just, anyway, I got into a huge fight with my cousin who was in town. He was visiting at my parents' house for dinner and he made some comment about this guy. He was like, oh yeah, he, he came to me because he was interesting in, in becoming a Muslim. And then I found out he was gay and I told him, I can't even, I don't even know why I'm bringing this up. Cause I'm like, I feel like now I'm going <laughs> to go on a rant, but I'm just like, I just feel like I have to mention like he, he was like, yeah, he told me that he was interested in converting and that he was gay. And so I told him, well, you can't be Muslim and be gay. So I obviously whipped my fucking head around and I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, I yeah. told him you can't be Muslim and you can't be gay. I was like, well, first of all, first of all, first of all, you can be Muslim and do whatever the fuck you want. Like the two things are not mutually exclusive. Second of all, like why, why are you bothered by him being gay? Like, how is that affecting your life? He's like, well, this is what happens when this normalized in society, then people start thinking that they're gay. I'm like, if someone thinks that they're gay, then they are gay. So good. Like, I'm glad they're being exposed to it because they're able to discover who they are at a faster speed than maybe they did in the early nineties or eighties or whatever, because it, it's so, it was so taboo that people, you know, I think struggled more with with understanding their identity and their sexuality because all of these things were so hidden and concealed. And I think that it's actually great that it's becoming more normalized so people can discover who they are faster and be able to live their lives the way they want to. And I mean, it just turned into like a huge argument. And I literally, I left and I called my sister and she was crying because she was so upset about it. Like she feels so strongly about it. She's like, how can anyone feel that way? And I was like, well, a lot of people feel that way, but it was just, it, it, it ignited this conversation with my mom and my dad. And even though like, I think that these are difficult conversations to have, especially um, if you come from a more conservative family, I still think it's such an important conversation to have. And, and it made me so grateful because even though my dad is super Muslim, like he literally is super fucking Muslim, but like he was still able to understand and appreciate what I was saying. And, and I think Mm. that it's, it's these difficult conversations and these difficult, you know, situations that I think a lot of us have, whether it's the career choice we want to have or how we want to dress or identify, like, I think that we should at least make an effort because I think a lot of Arabs, young Arabs feel discouraged in having these conversations with their parents because they have this fear of being rejected or shut down immediately. And maybe, and maybe you might be, I, I don't know everyone's parents. I don't know how your houses are or your families, but I still think it's worth 
if you're safe and if you're able to, to have these conversations, because even if you don't agree, it still helps you have a better understanding of one another. Like you don't have to agree on everything, but like, I still think it's worth taking the time to let your parents get to know who you are and what you believe in and what you're passionate about. I think that it's something that is often I've noticed overlooked within Arab families. Like it's more so like, I just want to make sure my parents are happy. And I think making your parents happy is great, but also they deserve to know who you are. And I think, absolutely. I think that's so important and building a, a strong connection with them is, is whether or not it causes a fight, letting them know who you are and, and letting your truth out is such, it just really removes this, this weight off of your chest. It's like, ultimately like mom, dad, don't you want me to be happy? Yeah. That's what you want, right? Like, because let's start there. Because if you don't want me to be happy, let me know so I know what who you are as a human being that happens to be my parents. Yeah. Let's start there, you know? Yeah. Do you want me to be content in this life? And really, I think as parents, and I really, I mean, I really hope there's someone out there who's a parent listening to this. Um, if we are controlling our child or an you know some some other child and trying to like have them change their we're not going to change their opinions mm-hmm. it's not going to happen and the more we instill fear and um this idea of rejection the less happy that child is going to be like let's just talk simple terms mm-hmm. and if someone's unhappy, they create, you know, bad things to themselves or to those around them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I mean, there are so many bad people in the world because I'm sure they were like, you know, I sound like an idiot, but I'm no. sure they were sad, um, you know, somewhere in their, in their, uh, throughout their, their, um, fucking upbringing um I don't know I don't know I have these theories I'm like we are all byproducts of our household and Mm -hmm. the way we exist in this world is is you know how our parents is is a result of how our parents treated us and and the how they advised us to be who we are you know so I'm just like this is the most important base for human beings, your home and, and how you interact with your family. So, yeah. I mean, (laughs) and it's so funny because my mom was like, you're so annoying. Like, why do you have to like, always like tell everyone every thought that you have? And I was like, mom, I'm just doing exactly what you've done my whole life. Like this is right. And she was like, shit. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, you are very strong, very outspoken, like literally fearless. will always say what's on her mind. will always do what she thinks is, is right. And I'm like, what the fuck did you think was going to happen? You thought I was going to grow up to just be like really quiet, like in a corner, like, no, like I'm not going to speak up for injustice. Like, I'm just going to chill here. Like, no, like this is how you raised me. And so like, if, if anything, be proud. And she like paused for a second. She was like, yeah, I am proud. I just wish you wouldn't curse so much. And I was like, fair, fair enough, mom. Fair enough. <laughs> 
<laughs> we, oh, let's let's agree to disagree on that. She's very <laughs> old fashioned in that sense. She just thinks cursing is like the absolute worst thing. I'm like, mom, they're just words. They're just they're literally just fucking words. And she's like, Besaib. I'm like, mom, no, it's not. I it's literally it's just a word. But um, I I I think that like you know after speaking to you about this, like everything is kind of making sense because you have such an a unique sense of style and I'm like this was bred through parents who like allowed you to be creative were you always very experimental with your style or is that something that developed yes later in life? <laughs> yes I really was <laughs> oh oh my god I have like the, the best stories of like fashion stories at home my dad let me style him when I was like four years old Oh like I remember, I specifically remember I was in my parents' bedroom. My dad was going out for dinner or something. And I don't know why he was, he let me, I guess he could tell that I, I love clothes so much. I was like, okay, you're going to wear this suit. And then I was like, this shirt, this tie, this belt, these socks, and they matched and he wore them. And that I think that's like one of my earliest fashion memories. Um, I remember shopping with my mom. We used to shop from catalogs. Like there were yeah. these stores. We lived in Sharjah at the time. Sharjah was like the Dubai of the UAE. Um, yeah. A lot of expats lived there. And um, I lived in Sharjah for like two years. Yeah, exactly. So um, these like stores had, uh, I don't know how my, my mom, my mom can like, she's always like scavenging for it. Like she's like, Oh, this is what you're showing me. No, I'm sure there's more. Give me like, let's talk, like, let's see more. And so she would whip out these um, catalogs, bring them home. And we would shop through catalogs. And she's like, okay, I'll go to the store tomorrow and put in the order. It was, it was so weird. Like, I I love that memory, but I can't believe that that shit used to happen. Yeah. Um, oh, oh yeah shopping through catalogs was a huge thing even up until yeah. the early 2000s like I was still getting catalogs oh. up until oh, like really? maybe 2008 or something yeah you're kidding yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like this I mean, was here this is here yeah like the brands like um like Victoria's Secret that's like the biggest one I can think of because they would always fucking send like a million you would always get this Victoria's Secret catalog and it's like all wow. the sweatpants that say like sexy on the butt or you know what I mean like th- that that was a, a big thing like velour sweatpants and tracksuits which is definitely coming back and I think it's amazing because I'm like yes let's bring back beautiful comfortable clothes but um I think that it it's so weird that like that was that was definitely a way that a lot of people were shopping and online shopping was still kind of not as big as it is now which is so crazy to me like how much a decade could make such a huge difference like I feel like shopping online is the only thing people do oh it's the only thing I do but I mean like these catalogs I'm talking that used to happen in 95 96 um I was like a baby and um and like I, sw- I, I swear to God, I feel like I, you know, I didn't know because I don't think I had these conversations like with like my classmates. Like, hey, so I just shopped off of like a cat. Like, I don't think that happens. I didn't know anyone else that was doing it. But like, I have this really strong memory of flipping through these pages and being so um, clear about what I wanted. And to this day, my mom is like, you really knew what you wanted to wear. It was insane. And like my, my mom also 
really knew how to dress me based on my personality. And she dressed my younger sister very differently to me. My sister was like a preppy baby doll. That was her look. That was her personality. And I was this like, (laughs) I was this like, pizzazz like little baby <laughs> that like wore leather baby. And, like, wore, I wore leather and like glitter and like I was like a little bait like a little lady baby it's weird <laughs> like I look back at the photos and I'm like shit like I didn't really wear very girly things if I did it was like still like ladylike anyway I love fashion. that your mom dressed you in leather that's incredible (laughs) my mom's a genius like she's the best stylist to date like hands down so your mom has (laughs) amazing so so you had her to look up to like your mom sounds like she also just has like amazing personal style so I mean my mom was the best dressed woman in every single room any any given day of the week I want my child to say that about me that's that's my only dream (laughs) for my child to grow to go on a podcast (laughs) to tell someone my mom is the best dressed person I'm like that's fucking iconic (laughs) <laughs> yeah my mom my mom was amazing she still is um so I mean I think that wh- when I think of your style I think it's it's very like 80s I mean it's not like like super 80s but there's that 80s influence like is that an era that I feel you feel like very like connected to in any way I feel very connected to it um I think because of the photos of my parents and yeah. like before they had me yeah. I was I was born in 91. So they got together late 80s and I think honestly I think I I'm just trying to like relive their like happiest years. Mm-hmm. I think it's like very it's it's very psychological to me. Um my favorite photos of them were in the 80s and in and the early 90s. So for me I kind of like always want to go back to that time. And, and I just, yeah, I always want to be in that time. And also I've stolen so many of my mom's <laughs> things from, <laughs> from that time. Um, I started off with like earrings and then I started taking shoes and belts and all the accessories that like are very, very, um, yeah, from that, from that period. So I feel like they, it slowly crept into like the rest of my wardrobe um and yeah I feel like I dressed like her back then she like does not dress this way today yeah she's like a modern woman yeah mom like come on you know like yeah like this is in style she's like mama it's so outdated I was like (laughs) you are outdated today okay you (laughs) it's so funny and like I I'm kind of like freaking out right now because I've recently my sister made a comment to me because I'm very into 70s style and and I always say, like, Mama, like, I wish you would have saved, like, all of your amazing, like, your dresses and your pants and your sunglasses and your scarves. Like, why did you not save them? Why did you not know you were going to have a creepy child who was obsessed with it? Mm. But I wonder what, why do you, why do you think that is? Because I've never really, like, I, I obviously know that, like, okay, like, I, I feel inspired by the 70s. I love the photos of my mom from the 70s. Those are my favorite photos of her. I think she looks like a fucking model. She looks amazing. But I never really put two and two together that that might be an influence or a reason why I feel like I love that era so much. But what do you think that is? Like, what do you think the deeper connection is between wanting to kind of emulate that style of your mom? I mean, I think nostalgia is a real thing. Um, And I think 
we experience it in so many different ways. I know that like the nostalgia that I experience is like, I don't know. I've always longed for a time that I was not a part of. I'm, yeah. I'm like, I'm a very curious cat. And I feel like, I don't know. I don't know why. I just, I love life. You know, I really do love life. But I, I'm always like, oh, I wish I existed in like an earlier era. Yeah. Um, I think we romanticize it a lot, probably because like, yeah. like my thing is, is like, you know, I see these beautiful pictures of my parents. They look fucking cool shit. They're wearing these like amazing, you know, outfits, flared pants, all the works. And like, I, they tell me these stories. Like you said, like when I was little, my dad would tell me stories of when he was in college and when he would ride his Vespa. And like, there is this kind of like dreaminess about it where it's kind of very romanticized in my mind. Like it was this like very simple, very, I don't simple know. Is the word. Yeah. It was like a simpler time where like everything was like kind of easier and, and not in the sense where like their lives were easy, like, no, they struggled so much, but there was yeah. this different sense of ease and simplicity to their life where it's like, okay, like, you know, go to school and then maybe go to like a coffee shop with my friends and then maybe listen to like a record or something like it was just very simple. It was very simple and very easy, but at the same time, it's like it probably took them 10 times the amount of effort and time mm -hmm. to achieve something that we can achieve in 10 minutes. But they didn't know that there was a quicker way to do it. So everything was slower. Everything mm -hmm. was like more conscious, uh, more um, organic. Um, for God's sake, the food was fucking more organic. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now you go to a store. I don't remember where this was. I think this was in Dubai last winter. I was at Spinney's shopping, getting some like groceries. I was having some friends over. And I asked someone that was working there. I was like, I'm looking, I'm looking for rocket salad. He's like, you're looking for normal or organic? And I'm just like, <laughs> hold up. Like, you're telling me that organic is not normal, but yeah. non-organic is normal? Yeah. It's like, you know, so I don't know. I think, I think we long for a time where things were more organic. Yeah. Um, more, uh, yeah, slower. Um just like dip, we like we, we always like something that we don't have i think at the end of the day um yeah so and do your and looking parents back at, yeah oh, oh no no go ahead go ahead no no i wasn't gonna say anything important <laughs> i was just gonna say do your parents think it's weird that you have this nostalgia because i know my parents think i'm fucking weird like i recently i got like a, a print from like an egyptian film from the like 1950s and i won't stop talking about it like i'll talk about it to anyone who will listen like it's Farid al Atrash, it's amazing like i love it oh, and my dad is yes. like my dad is like <sighs> i mean he's like yeah it's it's kind of cool this movie came out when i was like 10 but like He's, I mean, he's just kind of like, why are you so, like, he's like weirded out. Like, why do you, why do you even feel any feelings towards this movie poster from the 1950s? Like, he thinks it's kind of weird. Like, he doesn't, but again, my dad is a 75 year old Palestinian man. So I feel like the fact that he even gets me at all, I'm just grateful. He definitely thinks <laughs> a lot of shit I do is just, he's just like, I'm not going to question it. He's like, I'm not even going to yeah. question. You're fucking weird. I don't know. You listen to weird music, but do your parents think it's weird that you, you, you kind of emulate? that style no i mean listen my parents have been calling me hassan sabe since i was a kid <laughs> and they've been calling me 
they've been calling me tiger after my grandpa ever since I was a kid. Like they, they were always like, this is a peculiar child. Yeah. And that's, just, and they embraced that man. Yeah. Like they, they just did. I'm like, every time I talk about them and I think I swear to God, every single podcast, I'm only talking about my parents. <laughs> And every single well, interview, you I'm always the, talking about my parents. You came to the right it, podcast. I talk about my parents compulsively. I, I swear to God. like And, like, I fight with them. Don't get me wrong. I love my oh, parents. Me I too. fight with them. But, like, I talk oh, about I them so them. much. It's very, like, I, I start realizing it, like, as I'm, like, someone will mention something about my podcast. I'm like, oh, my God, do I talk about my dad and my mom in every fucking episode? <laughs> Yeah, I do too. I'm like, you know what? They brought me here. I exist because they yeah. do. And like, it is what it is. Like, they're my they're my idols. They're my world. Um, but yeah, they've always accepted me, uh, you know, and all of like my weirdness and, uh, and always found humor in, in shit that I did. And, yeah. you know, that instilled so much confidence in me. Like... Yeah. I think that like being a goofball or not taking yourself seriously is like the sexiest thing ever. And it's mm -hmm. like the most, you know, candid, unapologetic way that I, I, I exist and, and I feel very comfortable to exist that way because my parents always thought, you know, being humorous is like, is 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 like i don't know the the best way to be because you don't take shit too seriously mm -hmm. so they didn't take any of my weird ass outfits or anything too seriously they're like ah she's expressing herself yeah like, you know you can pull it off i'm like okay that's it we move on there there wasn't <laughs> like a negative emphasis on it like they weren't like no don't wear that like which i think like you said earlier, all that does is cause a child to rebel even more. Like, oh, you you don't like this? Yeah. Well, just wait till like, and, you can see what I'm going to wear tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And my dad was like, my I, I grew up with my father. My sister and I grew up with my dad. And he did a great job raising two girls. Always give him credit for that. Because he is a very intelligent man that knew this concept of if you're going to deny someone from something, they're going to do it anyway. And it's going to get worse. So it was always a conversation about like what he thought versus what I thought. And so I always wanted to wear short ass shorts and short skirts mm -hmm. growing up in a Muslim city. I was in Dubai. That, that was where yeah. Christians. Like I, I, all I can think of is in the 2000s when I lived there, if there was a girl in the mall wearing a short skirt, it was like, oh my, people were like acting like she was like running around the mall, like naked. Like it was very dramatic. Like the response was yeah. very like, I'm sure it's more normalized now, but back then yes. when, whenever you lived there, when I lived there, it was like, oh my God. You could get fined. Yeah. You could get fined in the mall for showing too much skin. And so you know, my dad, I mean, we're Christian, but we're also, you know, we're, um, we're also, uh, what's the word? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Christian Muslims, like they have such a deep understanding of like, I mean, uh, Christian, uh, Christian Arabs have such a deep understanding of Muslim culture because it's, it, it, they live together. Like my dad, when he yeah. lived in Palestine, his neighbors were Christian and like, you just like, it's, it's all very much the same. Like you get, you just really have a lot of respect for, I think for one another absolutely and and you know i mean no one in my family 
um, really dressed so revealing. Like I always dressed in a very revealing way. But yeah. I don't feel like I ever did it too much where it was like rude, you know? Mm-hmm. But I was always like, I always out of my friends and my family, I'm always like in the shortest quote, quote <laughs> you know? And, and to me, I, I thought it looked good. Like I didn't think it was, it was, you know, nasty or like yeah. it would cause someone to disrespect me. And this one day I was going out and I was wearing my shortest shorts yet. And, and my dad was like, Baba, don't you think these are a little bit too short? It's always like that, yeah. you know, not like go change what you're wearing. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, dad, like, let me tell you something. Like, I don't really have hips. And if I'm going to wear something that's a bit longer, I'm going to look like a toothpick. So... Mm-hmm. I need to kind of like play with the proportions of my body and like mm-hmm. the clothes. So, you know, I know how to carry myself in this. And after all, it's the way you carry yourself in these clothes. It's not, yeah. you know, allowing the clothes to dictate how you are. So I think I got this dad and he, and he was just like, you know what? You're right. Like it was, a, it was a conversation. It was always carry yourself with respect and people will treat you on those terms, you know? Um, Obviously, clothes have a huge role in that, but it's 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 playing with um, that line. You know, how much are you going to cross that line? Are you going to be a complete asshole about mm-hmm. how little you have on your body? Although I don't even see it as an asshole, assholeish <laughs> thing, to be honest. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, or yeah. So it's it's that concept. It's that concept. I mean, women's bodies are just constantly sexualized, which is, I think, where a lot of these parents' fears come from. It's like they don't want their child being sexualized. And, like, I can appreciate that. But it's like you said. It's like I'm just dressing to make myself feel more confident in my body. And this feels the most flattering for me. And I will feel good in this. And I will carry myself as such, because I feel comfortable in this. And I think that that's so important, especially for you as like a young girl to realize and, 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 and you, and it's, it's unfortunate because society does want to sexualize you. Like as soon as you look like you're a woman, it's like, you're now being sexualized, like whether or not you like it. And that's something that I felt uncomfortable with when I was younger. I didn't want to be sexualized. I'm like, I didn't ask for these boobs. You know what I mean? Like they just fucking happened. And like, and now guys, older men are staring at me and giving me attention. That's making me incredibly uncomfortable because I still play with Barbies. So this just is not, this is very weird for me, but it's like, it does come back to like, I think there was a moment where I realized like, I'm just going to wear things that are flattering for me. And I realized that when I was wearing these loose baggy shirts, like my body was getting lost in it. And it just kind of made me look like, you know, I was wearing like a sack and I was like that, you know, I can't pull it off. Like maybe Kate Moss can, but it's, it's not working for me. And what can I wear to make myself feel good in my body? And that usually meant wearing something a little bit more fitted on the top, because I was like, if I don't like, I just don't like the way I look. And And there was kind of, I remember sometimes my dad would say similar things like, oh, don't you think your shirt is a little, you know, a little too fitted? And I'm like, Mm. mama, I feel good in it. And he was just like, okay, call us. I'm okay, I fake, like whatever. Like he was very, he he didn't give me, like he would tell me when he thought, you know, maybe something was too tight. But if I was like, no, this is why I'm wearing it. There was no pushback after that point. And I think that it, it does play a role in kind of how you view yourself and how comfortable you go on to feel in the way you dress and the way you look and the way you carry yourself. I think that confidence is very deeply kind of rooted in those things. 
Yes. And, and, and I think that you, the way you, the way you dress, I'm like, honestly, like every look you wear, I'm like, that's iconic. I, and it's not even like, I mean, my style, I wear a hijab. So half the things you wear, I can't wear them, but I can still feel very inspired by them. And I can still appreciate it and like respect it. And, and I really do think that your style is some of the most like unique style I've come across like in my life. Like I'm like, holy shit. Like she really, you're you have, so no, sweet. you, you really have <laughs> cultivated, you've cultivated this kind of like iconic look that like, I'll be shopping online. I'll see something. I'm like, Oh my God, this looks like something that Pam would wear. Like, it's so crazy to me. Cause I, this is the first time I'm having a conversation with you. So the fact that I feel that I'm like, that's how, you know, someone has cultivated this kind of personal style, which I think is so empowering. Like, I think that, you know, it's not like, oh, you need to wear designer things or anything like that. It's having the carrying yourself in a certain way when you wear certain pieces. That to me is what makes someone's personal style really stand out. You're so sweet. I'm like, fuck, I miss <laughs> dressing up. I, know. I really miss my clothes. Like, I, yeah, I really, I've dressed up throughout this pandemic mm, a maximum of four times. Like, girl, you, you gotta just get dressed up. I'm telling you, like, I will literally put together an outfit and maybe sometimes I'll take photos of it and maybe sometimes I won't and I'll just go to my mom's house and look crazy. But, like, <laughs> I just, I don't feel like myself when I'm not wearing, like, an outfit. Like, I can feel my like myself in sweatpants. That's fine. But, like, when it's, like, all the time, like, I really do feel like I'm losing, like, a mm. part of myself. <laughs> I'm talking to you out of my PJs and my socks right now. <laughs> it's and that's what I'm saying. Like, it's since March 12th. <laughs> I mean, yeah, honestly, like it's it's it is really, really, really like sad because I know for a lot of people that is how they express themselves. It's through their style, yeah. and not being able to do that is so difficult. Mm, it really fucking is. It you, really is. You just gotta put on <laughs> put on a cool outfit, make a TikTok. <laughs> Oh my God. I'm like, okay, I'm such an old school person. I like refuse to do something until I have no choice but to do it. <laughs> so for example, I've refused to say or type LOL since MSN messenger days. <laughs> and I still do not ever say it. I'm like, I disagree. Like, what is this internet I lingo? Disagree. Like, I disagree. <laughs> I swear to God, I was in high school. I'll never forget. I still don't use it. Um, TikTok, I'm like, oh God, this literally is like the recipe. Like, this is disastrous. I will never use it. I have the app though, in case I make <laughs> some videos, but I will never make a video. I'm Listen, so old school in that way. It's, trust me, yeah. I refused. <laughs> I refused to use emojis until like three years ago. I would not. No, use I an love emoji. emojis. No, I. But like, <laughs> I had this weird thing because I. I mean, obviously, emojis have evolved with the iPhone. They're much cooler. But do you remember the crusty ones, like on the Nokia phones, where it's like a creepy looking winky face? I don't know why. I just I fucking hated it. I was like, I'm not participating in this. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna type any of those weird like um ttyl acronyms yeah right i love ttyl though <laughs> i will say, i don't know i love lol 
I like lol, but I like saying lol in conversation to just sound like an asshole. I, I'm pretty sure I've said it in this conversation, LOL. I don't know why. You said it once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I said I, I'll say it in conversation more so than I say it in text message. I really can't explain it. I feel like I started doing it to be annoying to my sister. And like a lot of things, when I start doing it to be annoying, it just becomes a part of my the way I speak, unfortunately. And I'm like, oh, no, I this understand. is no longer... This is no longer being used ironically. It is now just a part of my vocabulary. It's a part so, of me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I but feel you. Honestly, I have loved this conversation. I've loved getting to chat with you. Um, I really am glad that we were able to do this. Um, but we are going to have to wrap up because I don't want to keep you for too long. But where can people find you online? Where can they find your films? Where can they watch them? All of the things, plug all of the things that I'm going to link them all as well. Um, you can find me at Pam Nasser, N-A-S-R, uh, which means a victory um, yeah. on literally everywhere. Uh, Instagram. Um, that's all. I, that's my only social platform. Actually, <laughs> I'm not at Instagram. She, she has TikTok, um, but she's not on TikTok. But she has the app. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I yeah, I'm just like just on Instagram, and I can't wait to get off of Instagram. <laughs> um, I'm reworking my website, which is also pamnasser.com, but it's not available now. Uh, my film Clams Casino is not available online, but it does. Okay, at Clams Casino underscore movie on Instagram. We do screenings, uh, online screenings every once in a while. So hopefully you can catch it one day. Um, and that's about it. <laughs> well, I, I, I really am glad that we, we talked and, and I love learning more about you. And as always, you guys can follow the podcast on Instagram at Arab American Psycho, where you'll see a lovely picture of Pam and you can follow my fucking shenanigans on Instagram at Nor E Pam. This was an absolute pleasure. Um, and I will talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. No, honestly, I love this conversation so much. It really just brightened my whole afternoon, but um likewise I, thank you so much for having me of course and um i will talk to you guys next sunday <laughs>